Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Well, greetings and welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast. It's more than just a podcast. It's it's information you can apply to your farming operation. Today, we are talking about ROI, return on investment, driving your crop rotation decisions. This is especially important going into the 2022 crop season. We have elevated crop input prices. You know, we're talking about paying double for uh, for some of your uh, fertilizers. I got Chad Henderson of Madison, Alabama. Chad is a 8,000 acre operator, one of the founding members of Extreme Ag, a, a good dude. Uh, he and I were at the Farm Progress show together, recorded a lot of stuff there that I encourage you to check out also and back episodes of Cutting the Curve. But we're going to shorten your learning curve today, but we're going to talk about some of the decisions that Chad has made over the years and some of the decisions he'd like to take back as it pertains to what your cropping choice is going to be and the decisions you're going to make based on ROI and especially now in uh, a pretty interesting situation with the uh, elevated input prices. So Chad's going to tell us all about that. That's what we're covering today. By the way, Chad, usually there's one thing. Okay, we're talking about Russia or okay, we're talking about uh, uh, anhydrous is in short supply. This year, there's like 20 things, but it comes down to you've got uh, ascending commodity prices right now. We're up a little bit from where we were, and you sure as hell got ascending input prices. What are you looking at now when you're saying heading into 2022? Well, I mean, we just, we're just trying to figure out, you know, obviously, first thing is we want to make money. You know, this is not about making bushels. It's about making money. So long as the farm's about that, that's where we're headed with it, you know. And then we go into, like I said, what inputs do we put in? What inputs can we control? You know, we control the controllables. That's it. Bottom line. So then you, you know, that takes some decisions out of the, out of the realm also. So we'll we'll figure out, you know, what acres are going to corn, what acres are going to beans, what acres are already in wheat. You know, we've made a decision. We're already this thing's already started back in October when we started planting wheat. You know, this ball started rolling down the road. Now we're going to kick this can far as we can kick it. Okay, so that's a, a, a important one right there is that, you know, you're in North Alabama. You you pulled off your uh, your soybeans and you stuck in wheat. Am I right? Corn. Pulled off the corn and went, went to wheat. And some of it was behind soybeans. Okay. And so you were already looking because we knew in October uh, what these inputs were going to be, or at least we knew they were going to be up. We didn't know exact pricing. I'm hearing reports that some farmers, you can commit to the gallons you need, but you don't get a price locked in because your supplier doesn't even know for sure. So you said, you can, all right. You can pay for it. You can pay for it, and you still may not be locked in until you get it delivered to your farm. If it's not on your farm, you're not locked in. <laughs> right, right. And and so you were saying, okay, is it time for us to do something radical? Uh, across the 8,000 acres, what's the general mix? Because you do double crop um, 
we yeah, would mean. So kind of just walk through the listener that can't remember. By the way, dear listener, I've been to his operation and I've been there riding in the combine. I encourage you to go back and check it out. So he he took me into a wheat field. I thought I was in Kansas. It was like hundreds and hundreds of acres. You're saying, am I in Alabama still? <laughs> anyway, so you start looking at things then across your mix. What's a normal year look like in terms of the mix? So for the most part, you know, we, we work about 2,000 acres of ground. It's, it's kind of river bottoms, lower ground. Um, so a lot of, you know, it, it's hard for it to get weed on it. So that's, that's a number that's kind of floating out there, 1,500 acres or so. That's going to be in just corner beans. Uh, on last year, we had somewhere around, we're going to run anywhere from 2,500 to 4,000 acres of corn. And then the other part will be, you know, if it's not in corn, it'll be in soybeans. So we have 1,000, 1,500 acres that's going to be floating that'll be either corn or soybeans. We're due this year to be around 4,000 acres of corn which is the year that most people are running the other way and looking at, you know, crude, running up on the bean uh, acres because of the input costs. You know, we got nitrate you know, and hydrous that we don't know if we can find it or not. I can't get in hydrous. I ain't been able to get in hydrous since the eighties. You know, you can't even get it now at all. You know, I, um, so, so we're looking at uh, 28% or 32% or urea, you know, and all that's skyrocketed. I mean, I think 28% right now is around $600 a ton. You know, last year I paid 200, you know, so, so that's where it's at. But, but am I looking at, I think a lot of people are, I don't want to say we're going at it wrong because everybody has their own way of making a living on it and making money. You know, again, this is about making money. We got to, we got, we got to pencil this in this year, y'all. So with these input costs, it ain't like, you know, this is not like the people that can go out here and, oh, we'll just charge the consumer more. Well, we're the end line. So we can't charge more for it. That's the whole problem with labor and everything else. I mean, I'd love to pay my guys $30 an hour and just charge it, move it on down the line. But it, it doesn't work that way. You know? Yeah, you're going you're gonna to sell as many bushels as you can make for the dollars that you can lock in, period. And you got to make money. Real quickly, back to that mix that you, in a normal year, 4,000 acres of corn, because that's half of your acres. And then the other yeah. half are, uh, obviously, you're doing a we, double crop. So we, don't, we don't like but around 20, anywhere from 2,200 to 2,400 acres of wheat. We run three machines. We like to land at around 800 acres per machine. That gets your weed out in a timely manner to get your beans planted back. Uh, we'd love to have more wheat than that, but if you do, I gotta either I gotta buy another combine or something because it goes out the back too fast. And by the way, I do remember riding in your combine. I call it a combine. You like to call it a combine. And combine. so our friend Kevin Matthews calls it nitrogen that's 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 the n of n p and k he calls it nid n-i-d u-r-g-e-n nitrogen so he's a nitrogen guy and you're a combine guy so here's the deal uh chad and kelly garrett has roots yeah roots he doesn't have roots he has roots uh but he doesn't have any of his hair he doesn't have any roots in his hair though for damn sure hey real quickly then about those acres um you would some people would say, okay, if you got a bunch of input price escalation, maybe expand your wheat acres. It's a cheaper crop to put out, right? But you don't because you want to have no more than 800 acres to harvest uh, because you've got three uh, harvesting machines. Why do you want to limit it that way? Because when I was there, you told me something that I didn't think about. You had a moisture problem. You've got a, you are pretty big on getting your wheat harvested in a timely manner because you head into the most people wouldn't think that Alabama has a seasonal issue, but you've got a couple of reasons. You've got to get it out in a pretty timely manner. Yep. 
Yep. So a lot of it, you know, we're, we're three days away from a drought. You know, we kid that all the time, but, but it is, the ground dries so fast. So when you cut the wheat, you want the planter chasing the comeback. What a lot of people do. That's, I mean, that's just normal practice. But the thing is, we, we, the later every day you miss on those soybeans, it's a bush, a half a bushel to a bushel a day off the clock, off the calendar. So every day we start running back on those, on those acres and bushels and you just got to have it done in a timely manner. We wanted, we wanted the weed out in 10 days. You know, if it was, if I get 10 continuous days, I want to be wrapping up a wheat, you know, or 10 running days. A lot of times, you know, in that time frame, 10 running days may turn into a month. You know, if you've got a shower or two here or there, you know, it's just, we, we hope it does anyway, because if not, well, the rest of the crops burning up. So, you know, it's, it's a catch 22 on trying to get the beans planted and the wheat cut. And, the, you know, we remember we're watering corn. We're, we still got a corn right in the middle of harvest the whole time. I, or I, rode with, I rode with you when you were cutting wheat. I believe it was June. Help me out here. But then you wanted to be running that. You wanted to run that um, uh, that planter that you want to be putting soybeans yeah. in right behind it. When did you end up in 2021 getting all your soybeans in? Oh, I, I mean, I tell people all the time, they're like, oh, we're done planting by, you know, by the 1st of June or by the middle of June. I don't know if I'm ever done before August, <laughs> you know, and it's not that. I mean, we just have a lot of this refuge ground and things like, you know, other places that we that we have to plant grain sorghum or stuff for rent, you know, and and we're always doing doing that or we'll go back and plant river bottoms and wet holes. So, I mean, I planted some beans this time the end of July, made 25 bushels. You know, but it it was because it was a it was a weather deal. We couldn't get them planted, so we just keep planting as long as there's beans and shit. I'm gonna plant them somewhere. Okay, <laughs> so your mix, uh, you always want to have 22 to 2400 acres of wheat. You always want to have 4,000 acres of corn, and then also there's some acres that don't get wheat that get soybeans, and then there's some, and then every acre of wheat gets soybeans. That's right. right. Every acre. So we'll have roughly around this time. It'll be roughly looking at somewhere around 32 to 3500 acres of soybeans you know okay so you're sitting there starting in october when you're putting wheat in the ground uh you're saying okay let's look at what we're going to do because we're this whole this whole discussion you and i are having is about the return on investment driving your crop rotation decisions there's some people that did some radical stuff said, all right, we're going to go in all wheat, or we're going to not do corn because I can't get nitrogen to quote our friend Kevin. There's a bunch of people that were talking about different things they might do. And you start making some of those decisions in the fall, but you're still able, because we're recording this right now in January of 2022, you could make these decisions up until April. And uh, you don't think you're going to make a big change though. No, I, I mean, I can tell you what my mind's going to be, you know, I can tell you what my decision is going to be in 2023. You know, my my theory, and, and it may be wrong, this is just my opinion. So, you know, don't think that, that oh, what Chad said, do this or, or do that. But my opinion is, is I've tried the, I've tried the technique of we're chasing the markets. Oh, it looks like cotton's going to be up. Oh, it looks like corn's going to be up. Oh, it looks like beans is going to be up. Well, when you're chasing that, you're literally chasing it. Yeah. It's done happened. What you're seeing has already happened. You're not ahead of it. And the only way to, to come out on this stuff is to stay with a constant and stay ahead of it. You know, that's my stay ahead part is the constant. Because what we, what we get into is we know crop rotation makes us money. We know it makes us bushels, which in turn makes us money. Now, we have to look at input costs, but the way we manage that is we may, we'll do more of the strip tilling or we'll do more. You know, everything we try to do is trying to be better 
a more efficient and better fertilizer placement to spend less money. We do a lot of testing here with Extreme Ag. We do a lot of testing. So this is a time when that stuff's going to trigger in and say, hey, we know we can not put out this much dry fertilizer. We can put two shots of liquid on or vice versa and come out. But it's from your testing, from your homework that you've done is in times like this is when it's going to shine. So what's interesting that you just told me there is, you know, there are people that are making radical changes. There are some that didn't even question making a change. Uh, and they just always do things the way granddaddy did, which you and I don't think that that's a, a way to get ahead. You're doing both. You did a lot of questioning and you did a lot of thinking through it. And you went and looked at the numbers and you looked at your farming operation and made the decision for our return on investment. We're going to do what we do best, which is produce bushels efficiently and farm it the best that we can. But we're not going to make any radical changes on our uh, crop mix is what I'm hearing. Yep, that's right. So so what happens when you start making these radical changes? Let's say we said, oh, corn's it. I'm going to have 6,000 acres of corn. Mm. I can't get it out. So then we're going to buy another combine. We've got to rent another combine, another corn header. Where are we going to put it? We run out of bin space. We create other problems. Let's say we had 6,000 acres of soybeans. We run out of year. We're going to end up renting. You know, you, you have to deal within the machinery that you have. When you go way over here one way or another, it just starts costing you money in other areas. You have to be, you know, I would love to have 5,000 acres of wheat every year because I can make more money on double crop most of the time, wheat and soybeans, than I can on single crop. But I can't manage that many acres of the wheat and get it out in a timely manner, so I cost myself money. Yeah, so you you, you looked at it not just of, uh, of what your normal farming, your farming practices, but then it becomes a matter of time, man, man hours. And, and and machinery machinery uh, accessibility. Um, did you think um, last fall you were going to make a change, or were you pretty much cons- consistently in your head saying, "I'm not into making big changes because of this reason"? Or did you did you briefly consider it, then come back to it and say, "Nah, I'm not going to." No, you know, like I said, we've 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 been down that road. We've we've done that before. We've made those big swings. Our farming operation used to make big swings like that, chasing markets and things. But but now with the way our farm's set up, the grain bin and storage that we have set up, the marketing plans that Stuart puts into place a year ahead of time, you know, we're we're kind of set six, eight months before we plant a crop a year sometimes. We're set on what we're gonna plant before on some of the marketing stuff he's already done. You know, we're, we don't sell when we pull it out of the field. We're selling, you know, we're, there's crop in our bins all year long. There's never, there's always something in the grain bins, whether it's corn, beans, or wheat, there's always something in the beans, bins to sell. Chad, do you think that, and we don't, we don't sit here at Extreme Ag and, and call out people for their mistakes, but is that a mistake that you think that is where, because you've, you've made the mistake. I've made it. You're, I've you're, made it. We're not so arrogant as to pretend that we haven't yeah. made the mistakes. I mean, that's so, why we're on here. That's why we're on here. That's what we're talking about today. You think that sometimes the mistake is, you talked about chasing, is that, or you go to the coffee shop, you drive down the road, like, hell, you know what? And it's hard not to have self-doubt that you start seeing some something else that's going on. You think, damn, I think we better make this big change. And then all of a sudden they're scrambling you talk about chasing the markets are also chasing, chasing to get Everything. back to where they would have been. Everything. So, so the problem here, and I mean, we still do it. Our farm does it. And, and it's something we try to control. It's emotional. 
it's just like if you was, you know, you talk hear about people talking about gambling or, or people talking about other things. It's it's you can't let emotions get involved in it. You got to make the decision. You know, I mean, we let emotions get involved when 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 you know I see Stuart, I, you know, I preach on him and he preaches back to me. You know, and Dad, we all try to keep each other in check because I'll get emotional when we get a drought. You know, and I don't feel like I've done my part to make the to make the 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 amount of bushels we should have made. Or Stuart gets emotional when he missed the market high. You don't know the market high. If you think you got the market whipped, just hold on a minute. It's fixing to put you on your knees. That's a fact. So we make the best decision we can make every day, and we don't look back. But when you let emotions get involved, and you think you got to do this or you got to do that, and you can't make educated decisions on the things you know, things you've tested on your farms, things that you're part of peer groups like Extreme Mag some of these other ones that, that have, have helped put this information out there for you to use, you've got to glean that information and make the best best choice possible for your farming operation. Mm-hmm. Don't let emotions get involved. Yeah, and so the other one was, uh, it, it is emotion or, or farm people do this, they don't like to admit it, what the neighbor's doing or what yeah. the guy down the road is doing. And then they yep. get this competitive thing uh, or what are the coffee you shop? Know, you know, we're all too, we're all old. It's, it, we don't have peer pressure no more. This ain't peer pressure. We're all full grown. I don't, I don't have peer pressure. Yeah. So um, uh, <clears throat> Stuart, by the way, for the listener that doesn't remember from our past episode, Stuart is Chad's cousin and business partner. He's more in the office doing the buying and selling Me. stuff. And Chad's yep. the production guy. Yep, that's right. So speaking of production, um, when you've made crop rotation decisions uh, because you got a little bit like worried and you want and you as it looking back, you were chasing the market. You made a point. You said crop rotation makes us bushels and bushels make us money. And so um, on years where you didn't rotate the way because you were chasing something, how bad was the burn? I mean, it's you don't always see it. You know, it's hard to really see when when you're in a when you're in Alabama and you're, and you know, every, of course, in farming every year is different, but we don't have the soil depth a lot of times to have those consistent yields. We can have them under irrigation systems, but in the dry land, I mean, we'll make swings that's 150, 200 bushel swings, y'all. I mean, I've went in dry corners and cut corn that the moisture and the corn is the same. The moisture and the bushels is the same. 15, 20 bushels later. So, I mean, and, and that's an extreme, but the also extreme is, you know, as we'll go in a dry corner where we don't water and it's the same as what, what the pivot is. So we have those swings, you know, and, and so we just, we, we try, that's why we try to have that constant. Okay. Heck, I don't even know where we're going with a question. I went to rambling. I don't even know where we at now. No, that's good. That's exactly <laughs> what I want to know. When I said about what, crop rotation, when you've made a decision. Let's, let's just, let, we know that the corn was going to make, 15 to 20 bushel. We know it's 15 to 20 bushel chasing soybeans instead of corn on corn. We can, we can put that down. Yeah. So 20, so if you, if you made a decision because you were concerned about, Oh boy, nitrogen is uh, a little bit high. uh, I'm going to back off on corn and go this. Then all of a sudden you're going to give it up in bushels because beans on beans or corn on corn takes yield away uh now does it take away the equivalent of the fertility cost increase maybe not but it also gets you off your game or you're now you're trying to get somebody a custom harvest or whatever yeah but you know i'm farming for next year i'm not farming for this year you know i'm farming this year for this year and then next year's crop rotation you know again you know i'm i'm six months ahead of what everybody else is thinking 
you know, we're thinking we're the farmer is thinking ahead in your business plan. You're thinking ahead to what's going on, whether it's in the marketing, whether it's in the crop rotation, whether it's in equipment purchase. We're always six months or a year ahead in what you're thinking on your business. So that's that's the point we're trying to we're trying to get across here is you make that plan, you stick with it. You know, whether we what the adjustments we're going to talk about making is the adjustments, whether we're putting out dry or liquid whether we can put out, you know, this is not going to be, I'm not here going to punch a bunch of products, but whether I use a pivot bio type uh, uh, fertility program to where I'm going to gain 10 or 15 pounds of 20 pounds, 30 pounds, 40 pounds of nitrogen, whether I'm going to go all three eighteen eighteen, you know, in the fur and not put out dry fertilizer, you know, there's just all kinds of things that we can, we can think about, but those are the things, decisions we have to make on hand. It's not where the crop rotation falls. It's what inputs we know and we can deal with. So speaking on inputs and all that, since we said we're going to, uh, we're calling this whole thing, return on investment, driving crop rotation decisions. Okay. You're not going to do any big radical changes on crop rotation. You're in fact, you're not doing hardly any now, unless weather now, unless weather comes up. Now you do have a return on investment decision to make. Let's say we're recording this in January, but let's say we get to, when do you like your last bushels of, you know, of corn to be planted? A- April something, probably there in Alabama. Yeah, yeah. So we'd like to say late April. When, you know, would mid you, April, mid late April. when would you make a pivot decision? When would you make a change uh, to preserve return on investment if there was a weather problem. Now, okay, of course you okay can't let's remember. put it this way then. I had the same thing happen this year. I planted corn in Alabama May the 20th. May the 20th. That's pretty but late. It's pretty late. late. It's pretty late for Alabama. That's really late. But I was stuck with it, and I knew what the corn acres I needed because of the investment and the sold corn market we already had. We had that sold, and, and we still stayed with the program because that was the plan to make. Mm-hmm. So we made that plan and we stuck with it. And it was 20th of May, ended up making good corn. I was blessed, got late rainfall. But okay. this, it's the trials that we've already done. I've been five years ago, I was planting corn behind wheat just to see how many bushels we could make. Where if we run on a situation where I needed more corn, I would double crop instead of beans, I'd put corn behind it. So we've already made a lot of these. We've, we've already done a lot of these scenarios. So we know what scenario to pull out of the bag because we do a lot of testing. Okay, so you like for instance, you know, putting corn out in Alabama uh, in uh, first week of June. I planted June. it fifth of June. <clears throat> That's that seems a little crazy, but you did it as an experiment just to see what you could have expected yep. expected yield and other problems. I said. Yep. That's right. That's right. So we we done it under irrigation. Made 190 bushel of corn. Made 68 bushel wheat. Right bes- uh, beans right beside it. Ended up making 75 dollars more an acre on the corn than I did the beans. Right. So I know in a, in a situation, I can do that. But you don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I need to stay with the program. Because okay. then when I come back behind that corn with the wheat, I'm putting a grass on grass. It's You know what I'm saying? It starts, I start breaking the cycle and then you start into other problems, disease pressure, or it's, you know, it's, it's other things. Chad, you talked about return on investment driving this decision, but it should really drive about every decision. You also talked about getting emotional and you weren't in any way poking fingers or, or po- you know, poking fun or pointing fingers at other operations, but it is difficult to not get emotional, you know, when the weather's got you screwed or the prices or the news is bad or whatever there is, you stay as unemotional as you can looking at the ROI. What's your trick? What's your tip? How do you do that? How do you get, un- how do you stay unemotional? I don't know. I'm going to have to get somebody else to tell me that. Um, like I said, I mean, it's, it's, it's an ongoing battle for Stuart, uh, my dad and myself to, to stay on each other, not to get emotional. 
We've okay. been here before. We've done this. You know, it's just like getting in the race car, you know, and you got – you fix to make one last pass for, you know, one win as a $5,000 pass or $10,000 pass, you know. I mean, you, you try not to get emotional, but you know you've been here before. We've been here before. We belong here. We know we're supposed to do this. Let's just do it. Keep your head down. Keep pushing. Um, but that's a real – that's a real thing. I mean, and, and don't think for a minute that you're late in harvest that, that it don't play on your emotions. Don't think for a minute that it, you know, you get a rain, a weather event, and you get a windstorm, and it blows some corn down. It don't play on your emotions. Anybody that has to sign their name to the amount of money that us as farmers have to sign their name to, it gets emotional. It gets in bed with you. So, so I mean, that's that's a big deal. And 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 there's no anybody that says they've mastered it, they just ain't signed their name to enough money yet. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're either lying, they're either lying, or they haven't they haven't had their their ass on the on a sling uh, for enough for enough risk. That's, that's um, exactly right. Return on investment drives everything and crop rotation decisions about this. Is there anything that we haven't covered about that? Because you're you're sticking with the program that you know that fits the manpower you have, the equipment and facilities, and then also you're trying to mash up with what your business partner and cousin, uh, Stuart, has already uh, sold and uh, and all that. So you're, you're looking at every single thing you need to do. Um, is there anything else that you're you know, like that might change that between now and spring where you might say, you know, crap, uh, we do have to change some rotation and it's because this happened. Besides weather, is there anything that would change that? I don't know anything other than weather that it would be, you know, because all I'm going to do is I'm not going to change the rotation. I'm going to change the way. Now, like you could ask me right now how I would plant a crop and what fertility plant I would have, and that changes daily. Because okay. that's that's the, the bubble that's sitting here floating around. That's the ball that's floating around. Crop prices run up. We're going to change the way we approach that crop. Yep. When we approach that crop differently, then we're still approaching ROI. I know how much money we need to put in a crop. So we've got that number set. You know, okay. we us as farmers don't have all the numbers, but we have the number that makes you make dollars in bushels, you know. so comes, we, And that comes down, Chad, to cost of production. Which of course you 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 can vary cost of production a little bit based on some of the practices that you might implement, and the way you the reason you would implement those would be timing of weather or something else. But you yep. already know, okay, now it just added three dollars, or that is this took yep. away three dollars. You you got that figured out as you make a decision because of what it might be. Probably it'd only be weather. Then what you can do to to rein in the or cost of production. Practice fertility prices or what products are available you know we're living in a market right now where we you know we say oh well potash is seven or eight hundred dollars a ton or whatever but you know are, are, are we gonna get roundup what are we gonna do about that those are more valid questions for me that how we're going to change a crop is is the products we have on hand in this in this world we're living in right now i like it there's gonna be somebody there before i ask that's going to say, see, that's why you should never change from what you set out to plant. And you didn't say that at all. You just said you're going to control the controllables. And you know that crop rotation is good for your ground. And also it, it, it works for the system and the equipment. You didn't say don't ever make a change. No, I didn't say don't make a change. There's change to be made. There's a lot of people, you know, it's just a little different the way I think. You know, my planter is planting about all it can plant. I don't have extra planters. I don't have extra combines. You know, if I had another combine, I would plant another 800 more acres of wheat because I could put it somewhere, you know. I mean, there's there's things that we could do and not do because we have machinery, but I can't financially say that I need to go here and buy this combine for this practice or that practice, mm -hmm. you know. So we're the efficiency thing is what our farm is built on. 
So we're going to try to do – if my combine, a lot of people, well, I'm glad I'm doing I've got my combine in the shed. Well, when I get finished, I'm not getting any more money. Yeah. So I try, I try to keep the money coming in long as possible. You know, if I'm whether it's doing me doing custom work or, or you know, the combine still running field because my combines are maxed to all they can get. Sometimes yeah. it bites me in the butt, and I'm a little later on harvest maybe. But, you know, at least I ain't got extra combines sitting in the, in the shed making payments on them that they ain't running. Which is another discussion for another episode we should have. We should do a thing just about return on investment on equipment because you and I both know there's lots of people that take great pride. They take great pride in the fact that they have the nicest, shiniest waxed equipment sitting in the shed. It's like, how many days did you use that? Well, we didn't use it at all this year. I'm like, eh, boy, we're going to talk about that another time on this. This time we we're talking about return on investment, driving crop rotation decisions. Do you have any closing thoughts for the person that is a extreme ag uh, listener that says, hey, man, I really appreciated this, Chad. Any closing thoughts for that person? Try to keep emotion out of it. That's the biggest deal here. Let's keep emotion out of it. Stick with what you know. Use your peers. Use the people that you lean on, uh, whether it's your stream ag group, all of us. You can get a hold of any of us, any of us all the time. Use us and see, bounce ideas off people. I mean, there's not there's, – there's very seldom days go by – that us as a group in Extreme Act are not bouncing ideas off each other. So you you got to have that set of guys that's around you, surround yourself with good people and bounce those ideas off of them. There, a lot of people won't bounce them off because they think that they don't know it all or it makes me think that I don't know what's going on. You know, it's not that. You, you know, you need to second guess it yourself, you know, and make the right decision. Worse yet, Chad, there's some people that not only they think they do know it all, and those people are, uh, yeah. are usually going to stub their toe somewhere, worse than our friend yeah. Will. Yeah. Uh, got COVID, blame it on COVID. I mean, COVID gets everything. You know, we ain't got milk. COVID. We got a toast of COVID. If you would like to heed, heed Chad's advice and get more of his advice, you can listen to and view these Cutting the Curve episodes, obviously, all day long, and we encourage you to do so. Go back and even check out the old ones, like when I was writing in the combine with him. Um, but you know, I got another piece of advice for you about getting advice. Uh, one of the things I always say is, if you're taking advice and if you're paying for advice, you better darn sure make sure it's coming from somebody who has been there and done that. The founders of Extreme Ag have been there and done that. And so you can up your farming game to the next level by joining Extreme Ag as a paying member. What you get if you do that is you get more direct access and more exclusive content from guys like Chad. So when you're uh, kicking around here, when you get done viewing this, I encourage you, dear listener and viewer, at extremeag.farm and just go ahead and look into, just hit the thing about becoming a subscriber. So we talked about return on investment. I encourage you to stay with uh, Cutting the Curve so you can get more return on your investment. Chad Henderson, thanks for being here. Yep, enjoyed it. You bet. Till next time, it's Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out ExtremeAg.Farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions. 